You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jade Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. After some technical difficulties, we are here. I'm with Jack Borman. We've somehow managed to get a Zoom meeting going on my phone. We're here to talk free agency, trades, uh, summer league, all types of, all types of off-season uh, the off-season stuff that you want to hear about, or maybe you don't, uh, so far in with Minnesota, it hasn't been overly exciting, but there has been a few things that have already happened, and we expect a few things more will happen, and then obviously Summer League will start in uh, around a week as well, maybe a little bit less than a week, so it's it's an exciting time for for basketball and for off-season fans. Uh, after that, it's probably going to get a little bit boring for a while, but for now... Jack Borman, Kana Super's contributor, friend of the show. What's going on, man? Not much. Just just taking in the Olympics. Um, you know, thankfully I haven't had to watch too much Olympic basketball because it's been a shit show for for the United States. Hey, it's on, been good. On, uh, it's been good, man. Yeah, I mean the three. I've I've actually watched more three x three. Yeah, my girl Kelsey Plum. I love Kelsey Plum. She's she's awesome. Um, yeah, swimming is my uh, swimming is my favorite Olympic sport to watch. Although, uh, although your Aussie women have kind of been handing it to the uh, handing it to the American women in the pool. Um, that, so that's what we do. We we win for about the first week at the Olympics. We win medals in the swimming, and then after that, you do not hear Australia's name mentioned. Again. Yeah, the USA I think kind of butters its bread in track and field, um, which is which is cool. Um, and I'm not a huge track and field guy, more of a swimming guy. I think swimming might like Loki be my favorite sport on planet Earth to watch. Um, but before I, I, we will get sidetracked here, but like it, every sport in the Olympics is just wild, man. Like I'm sitting on the couch eating like Doritos, saying like, <laughs> man, I could do that. <laughs> but like, you know, like the the running, you know, like guys hitting like ten second, hundred meter sprints, and it's like this is it's just a cra- obviously it's an obvious statement, but like it is just crazy. Yeah, how good I, these people also are like sports. like Katie Ledecky is swimming fifteen hundred meters in a pool, and like I, I can't imagine swimming a mile in a pool. Like that's just outrageous to me. But. Not at like top speed too. Like, yeah, it's she's not floating. And then like, like having that's... gas in the tank to like turn it on for the last like two lengths of the pool. I don't know. All these Olympic athletes are incredible to me, and uh, it's it's just it's just so fun to watch. So I've I've been I've been great watching the Olympics and kind of getting a break from from some basketball, which which I think has been has been very much needed. But yeah, man, it's um, 
it's it's just kind of cool now to just kind of feel re- reinvigorated a little bit by uh, by this free agency period, and and I had a bunch of fun watching the draft, even though the Timberwolves you know didn't do anything. Um, so so yeah, I'm just really excited for this next week. Yeah, it does really feel good to have something to look forward to, even if it's just the rest of the NBA doing stuff. Even if Minnesota do have a quiet kind of period, you know, it's it's really fun to just see the the move starting to go down and the wheeling and dealing starting to happen. Obviously, Minnesota. I don't know if it was the first deal on draft night. Uh, it was definitely the first one where where Woj tweeted trade in capitals before he before he read it so like it, i think it was the first official draft night trade was minnesota sending ricky rubio to cleveland torian prince uh 2022 20, second rounder and i think 2.5 million yep 2.5 in cash yep. considerations uh come back to minnesota not not the kind of deal that's going to get the hairs on the back of your neck standing up but definitely something that uh, is worth talking about for sure. Um, what was your thoughts on the deal, and and kind of you know where where are you seeing as we're as we're you know forty eight hours removed from it? Yeah. Oh, sweet. USA just won a four by one hundred <laughs> mixed medley, setting a new world record. Hell yeah, that's awesome. As you can see, people. As you can see, Jack is extremely invested in the show. Oh, I am. I just, I just, <laughs> you know, with technical difficulties. I, I had it on in the background while I was waiting, but but that was the last event of the night for me. Um, but but yeah, just just with the deal, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Ricky Rubio guy. Um, I think he's a phenomenal human being, and and I'm very appreciative for, um, you know, for for everything that he's done for the Timberwolves over the years. Um. And, uh, you know, he just wasn't a good fit. Um, and, and unfortunately with COVID and everything, uh, and a lot of the international guys, especially having difficulties getting back into the United States and, and kind of getting a late, you know, late start with training camp and, and getting their legs under them and, and just with limited practice time and all that, it was tough. Um, and clearly that affected him and, um, and, you know, I just hope that he's he's healthy, and, and it looks like he is. He's, he's been playing great in the Olympics, but um, be, because he just wasn't a good fit on the court, um, and, and a lot of numbers bear that out. Um, you know, I I really had no issue with with the Timberwolves getting rid of Ricky Rubio, and my my number one need uh, for the Timberwolves coming into this offseason was not a power forward. It was getting bigger on the wing, um, just because the Timberwolves have Malik Beasley out there. They have Jalen Noel is a guy who's been a wing, because uh, really, if you're not a point guard, you're a wing in this system. Um, Josh Kogi's only 6'4". Uh, and, and then you look at guys like Wancho. I mean, Wancho's 6'9", but he's 210, 215 pounds. And like, he's just kind of that tweener. And, and you know he's a little better when they played him at the three last year, especially when they had D'Lo running with the twos. Um, but again, I, I just don't think Wancho's really a wing. I, I just think he's kind of caught in no man's land. Um, and so with getting a guy like Torian Prince, who's a phenomenal catch and shoot uh, three point shooter, I think that that was really great. Um, you know, getting getting off of a guy who who's a poor fit, and instead getting a guy who's a really good fit um, systematically, offensively. Who you know, after the season's done, who knows? Maybe maybe Torian Prince would be a guy that they'd be willing to extend uh, on on a on a smaller, maybe MLE style deal uh, at the end of the season, which I, I think was good. And then. And then you get more ammo to play with in, in the 2022 pick from Washington, um, which potentially could be a good pick if 
if that team implodes mid, mid, midway through the season um, and, and Beal requests out, which is which is interesting. And then, um, you know, I, w- I was pleased with the way that they got um, got some relief from the luxury tax line uh, because I think that, that that luxury tax space really um, really could have hamstringed them uh, this this offseason. Uh, even with even with moves on the margins, and so I, I thought that you know trying to clear that space uh, as a signal of hey we're not done yet was encouraging. Uh, and then two, um, I, I just like having as much flexibility as you can, so that if, if something comes up that the Timberwolves haven't been you know investigating or digging into or making calls about throughout the week, and something kind of falls in their lap, um, you know they have the they have the leeway to kind of get in on something like that. So I, so I thought that overall, I thought it was a great trade. Um, I, I think people really are overestimating the value that Ricky Rubio has on the floor. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, Ricky Rubio is a phenomenal pick and roll playmaker. He's phenomenal at taking care of the ball and making good passes and good reads, obviously really, really smart, heady player. Um, but I, I just think it's time for them to, to move on and, and try and get more shooting and more scoring on the floor because when you've got guys like like you know D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, all three of those guys are really really good playmakers and and all three in my opinion are only going to get better as playmakers, um, especially with more shooting around them and with such a such an offensively smart head coach uh, and Chris Finch putting them in positions to to make others better so. Um, you know that's something that that I, I I really think that has been has been discounted with uh, with Finch taking over is you're not in a you're not in a plain ass Cheerios offense um, and it's not just the creation burden is not going to just be on the players um, and I think Finch is going to to really put them in positions where it's not difficult for them to to play make and get others the ball if you know what I mean um, so so I think that that overall. Um, if you wanted me to grade it, I, I would probably give it a B plus or an A minus. Um, and the reason, the only reason it wouldn't be higher is because now Tori and Prince can't be aggregated in another trade. So that pretty much rules out, um, trading for someone like a Ben Simmons in a, in a straight up, you know, deal with just Philadelphia. Um, and it also would take away the Timberwolves, um, you know, opportunities for, for trading for any other player with a, with a really bloated contract, um, so, um, overall, I thought it was good, and um, and and I'm just excited to see Prince play because I think that I I really think he can be impactful this season. Yeah, look, I agree with a lot of the things you said there, um, and I think that the the thing I'll start with is that. I think they realized pretty quickly they weren't in the Ben Simmons race, or that Philly were asking for too much. I don't think they made this move if at any time, you know, they thought they would be able to get in on a trade like that. Like, I think they think they thought that ship had sailed, and therefore they needed to use that that asset that they need in Ricky Rubio to acquire a player who fits better. I don't think Rubio's uh, standing around the league was probably as high as maybe some fans think because. There's, there's no doubt to me they would have got everything they could have got for him. And I think a Torian Prince-type player is what the going rate for him was. So, um, that's maybe a little bit disappointing in the scheme of things because I think we all had these grand plans for Ricky Rubio to be moved in some sort of masterstroke deal from, from Rosas. But at the end of the day, that's the kind of stuff that 
happens in the NBA, and, and I think we might have had his value maybe, or just, just the value of an expiring contract who can still give you minutes maybe a little bit higher than the league did. And that's fine because what you get back is you get salary cap relief, like you said, and you get a guy who fits really well. Like, he's a really good shooter, man. I've, because I'm a degenerate and that's what we do, I've spent time watching Torian Prince the last few days, um, watching Cleveland Cavalier replay games, and like, the dude can really shoot the ball and not even just like stand still and shoot it, like move around the perimeter, find ways to, to get open and shoot the ball. Like, that's really important. You've like you've been on this before anyone. Like you have been the one who said that this team needs more shooting and they can't settle for, you know, D and Malik and, and, and Kat as their shooters, that they need to go out and find shooters and find big shooters. Uh, I mean, we talked about um Isaiah Livers last time as a potential second round draft kind of uh prospect. And I think Torian Prince is maybe like a decent comp for, for Livers and you can't get the, the finished product in, in Prince and I don't think that he's a great defender. I don't think that he's a guy who can do much outside of shoot the ball, but he can shoot the ball. He has a, an NBA skill that helps teams win. And like obviously shooting's a really important one. So if you can give that guy 15, 20 minutes a night in that one show kind of role that you spoke about um, alongside the second unit, I mean, I don't see how that's any worse than what Ricky Rubio was giving you last year. Even a, even a maximized version of Ricky Rubio or a healthy version or a, one that hasn't, you know, had a shortened off season. Like, I don't understand what he does to help this team out, like, on the court. Obviously, the, the Anthony Edwards stuff is intangible, and I don't think we're going to know how much we miss the Edwards Rubio partnership until it's gone, and, and maybe it's significant. I, I, I'm not sure because you can't put your finger on that like you can with a stat or a, or a net rating or something, but. I just think that on the court, Ricky Rubio can't shoot, catch and shoot shots or off the dribble. Uh, he can't create his own shot, can't finish at the rim. Like, if you're trying to build a team around Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, guys with pretty specific kind of skill sets and flaws that they have in their game as well and uh, ways that they need to play to be successful. Like, Cat needs to be able to post up a lot, needs to be able to space the floor and shoot threes. Anthony Edwards needs the floor to be space so he can get to the room and use that overwhelming speed and power. Um, Ricky Rubio is kind of like the antithesis of what you want around those guys. And to me, getting rid of him for a guy who, even if it's a minor move, it's, it's not a fun one really. Like getting rid of the antithesis for a guy who maximizes them talents, even in a, in a minor way. I just feel like it's a huge tick. I don't really understand the backlash to it, if I'm being honest, um, especially when you factor in that it's a really valuable second-round pick and salary cap relief. Like, to me, it's a win. Also, everybody, like, on some level, I understand the stuff about family and, and whatnot, and and I'm not going to argue with, with people's complaints about, about Rosas because I think that a lot of the things that he's said um, – in regard to that, have been full of shit, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, he's a politician, man. Yeah, like, for sure. He, for sure. He speaks in tongues, and, and I think that rubs people the wrong way, the same way that politicians rub people the wrong way. But it also endears yourself to fans at other times. It's it's just it's a smart way to approach things, and even though even though it is a little bit snaky when you, when you kind of take a step back and look at it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but to be honest with you, like the Timberwolves won what? 23 games last year. Like, I'm sorry, but if your team's going to get better, I don't care who the hell you are. Like, I, I like, and Kyle said this in, in his article and I agreed with it completely. Like, I do not care what the name on the back of these jerseys are. Ideally it's, it's Edwards and Towns and Russell and, and McDaniels. But honestly, like, as long as this team wins and does well and is set up for the future and like reinvigorates this fan base and makes like Minnesota a place where it's not like, fuck, I have to go to Minnesota, you know, like I, it's just, it, I am not going to, I do. I'm not going to lose a second of sleep over the fact that we sent Ricky Rubio to Cleveland. Like, I'm sorry, Ricky Rubio, but also like you're getting paid $17.8 million. Like you can suck it up. And the other thing too is like you 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 are not good enough to dictate and be like, you know what? Uh, send me here. Like that's that's not how it works mm-hmm. when you're an over the hill point guard making seventeen point eight million dollars and you're not even a starter. You know, hey, coming off, coming off your worst season of your career. Yeah, like cool, like right. cool, like I it's I'm sorry, but I I just don't feel bad for him, and I and I don't think complaining about sending Ricky Ruby to Cleveland is a productive exercise. And, and I think this trade makes the Timberwolves better. And I know that there are people out there who think that it doesn't, but I think that, and if you want to say Ricky Rubio is a better player than Torian Prince, like I'm, I'm not going to engage in that discussion um, because I just, well, it makes no sense. It makes no it, sense when you're talking about it in a team context. Exactly. And like, at the bottom, like we're not talking about a fan. It's not a fantasy draft. Like if this was, if this was fantasy, I'd probably pick Ricky Rubio before Torian Prince. But this isn't, you know, your fantasy draft. Like this is a team with with fourteen other players on it, and you need to find guys who fit around those fourteen other players, and specifically the two or three at the top. Uh, Ricky Rubio didn't fit with any of the two or three at the top. Like I know I've kind of probably. Um, harped on these numbers a little bit but like i'll throw them out here now just on on this podcast like like net uh net rating with ricky rubio on the court or off the court like Carlton towns was zero point his net rating was 0.5 points per 100 percent what per 100 possessions better when rubio was on the court so that's a positive right like no complaints about that um edwards was 4.7 points per 100 worse russell 1.8 per 100 worse Jade McDaniels, 3.6. Malik Beasley, 0.8. Nas Reed, 4.6 worse. Akogi, 6 possessions worse. Vanderbilt, 10.1 possessions worse. And Wanchahana Gomez was 10 points per 100 possessions better. So only Towns and Hernan Gomez are better. Like, at some point, that has to matter. Like, that's a guy who's on the court a lot, playing a very, very important role. Um... And every single player is is a, like their net impact is a lot worse, and like that's doesn't like that when um, that's the numbers and the you know I'm sure they have better uh, analytics than me, but that's the kind of shit they'd be looking at and just thinking like it doesn't matter how great of a guy Ricky Rubio is, it doesn't matter if him and Anthony Edwards get along in the in the dressing room, like he's making the team worse, and we're paying him eighteen million dollars a year. Like that seems like it's the bottom line, and it kind of—I don't think they can escape that bottom line. Absolutely, man. And and at the end of the day, like 
fit is going to beat talent when talent is similar, like every single time. Yeah. And and I think that Torian Prince will be a more impactful player for the Timberwolves in terms of winning games next year on the floor than Ricky Rubio did this past year. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think it's kind of... If Ricky Rubio is better, then that's because he's in a better situation in a, on a team that fits him better. I think that it's the same thing with Andrew Wiggins. You know, like, you kind of look at Wiggins and you look at this year they had, he had, and, and it wasn't a great year by any means, but it was definitely... Um, better in, in certain areas than others. And it was just like, well, that wasn't going to happen in Minnesota. And that's why I think you can just be happy that Andrew Wiggins is playing better defense and shooting better from three with Golden State. And, and I'll be happy if Ricky Rubio fits with whatever Cleveland's doing over there. You know, if it's Colin Sexton or, or Darius Garland or, you know, when Jared Allen's there and Evan Mobley. Like, if he's if he's the, the Ricky Rubio to Evan Mobley that he was to, to Anthony Edwards, I'll be stoked. But the fact is that it wasn't on court. It wasn't working here, and you got a year of, you know, pretty terrible production out of him. You got a year of really good mentorship, and you move on. You know, like you, Anthony Edwards is a big boy. I don't think that's a problem. I don't think he'll be kind of losing any sleep. Um, and and yeah, you, you try and find a guy who helps you more. If if Torian Prince is the only move you make for this off season, then you probably need to start asking a few questions yeah for sure but i i just don't think that that's going to be the case um and especially with the financial flexibility that they created i mean the timberwolves as it stands presently um you know the timberwolves have a little more than 10 million dollars in in space against the luxury tax line um and and that's enough for the full mid-level this year um and Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported today on on saturday um in, in america here that the Timberwolves were, were one of the front runners for Jamichael Green. Uh, it was a uh, versatile forward for, for the Nuggets that played a lot of minutes and has been an important player for, for the Nuggets this past year, as well as for uh, the Clippers uh, in the years before that. And so um, a dude who knows how to play the game, knows how to play inside, outside, and, and has been in, in high leverage situations. And so I think that that's another name to watch that would be that would be really interesting, um, but I know that you also had some some names uh, in, in terms of mid level guys uh, that, that you're interested in. But but I'll I'll start with with a few of mine. Uh, and Jamichael Green is is right up there. Um, another guy that I have up there is Cody Zeller. Uh, Cody Zeller is a guy who who's a yeah boy yeah boy. <laughs> Where Cody Zeller stands. This is off season. I'm a Cody Zeller stand. That's how how it works in the Timberwolves off season. I get attached to a random role player, and I'm devastated when they don't sign with Minnesota. <laughs> oh man, Jake, you are one of a kind. One of a kind, my <laughs> man. Um, yeah, but but Cody Zeller's a guy who's a really really impactful role man in the pick and roll. Um, dude is really good at finishing inside. Sets great screens. Um, can can rim run too, can catch lobs, throw that down. Um, really, really good finisher inside as well, like I said. Um, and, and just a dude who knows how to play. Um, I think that that's really important. Um, and with a dude who, who's been around the league as much as Zeller ha- has and played for different types of guys, um, you know, I, I think that, that that's a guy that, that Finch would love to be able to work with. Um, and especially, I mean, just thinking in the context of Torian Prince, like Torian Prince is a guy who's really good at getting to the rim. And that's some people see Torian Prince 
Um, and they'll say and look at his numbers and say, oh, he's a really good shooter. But I've also spent some time watching watching Torian Prince, and he's really good at attacking closeouts and, and getting to the rim and and finishing inside on unassisted uh, unassisted plays. You know, he's a really un, below average finisher inside. But if you get a guy who's who's really good in the dunker spot, like like Cody Zeller would be, um, you know, I think Torian Prince is a guy who's, who's very very solid at, at dumping at at those dump off passes inside. In um, hitting cutters too, and, and Zeller's just a guy who knows where to be on the floor, and I think that that helps, uh, especially if if you're going to play in an offense that's going to really focus on more off ball activity, and and getting two guys like Prince, and then potentially a guy like Zeller who are who are both very very good off the ball and know what the, know what they're supposed to do without the ball in their hands. Um, you know, I think that would be that would be a really good add. Um, Really good ad for the Timberwolves. But what are what are some guys that, that you had in mind potentially for the for the MLE? Yeah, that was my guy. Um, but I, I I like Daniel Tice. If you can get him for the MLE, I, I know that there was um that that Jake Fisher report I think had uh, was it Dallas maybe interested in him. I could be wrong there, but it yeah. wasn't Minnesota. It wasn't Minnesota. But I think that you know they will. I think they're interested in anyone, anyone who can give them starter level minutes. You know, as as a center or a power forward. I think they'll definitely touch base on them. Um, so Daniel Tice is a guy who I think gives you a lot of the same stuff that Zeller gives you, uh, just in terms of intangible big man stuff, you know, staunch presence at the rim, even though they're not going to be a, a prototypical rim defender or, or rim protector, like a like a shot-blocking rim protector. They still protect the rim well because they get there and they can test everything and they're strong and they get their hands up. Um Good, good roller as well, and then can can shoot the three a little bit. I think he shot like thirty three point eight percent on catch and shoots, which is obviously not awesome. But if it's not, you know, it's stretching the floor a little bit at least. It's it's shooting the ball and allowing you to play in a five out offense. So I like Tice, and I like Nolan's Noel as well. I think feel like Nolan's Noel gets linked to Minnesota every single um, off season. He just. He's a crazy good defender. No one's Noel. Like insanely good defender he, at the rim. He he's a sane yeah, he's an insanely good defender at the rim. Like and there's no other way to put it. And he's a he's does nothing on offense except for rim run, offensive rebound, you know, and, and get put back. Like he's he's a guy who really does he doesn't kill your spacing because he does have role gravity. He does it he's a guy who commands rotation defenders than and low man defenders to to take that extra step or two over to him to stop that them rim runs, and but, another guy who's really good in the darker spot, really knows where to be on the floor, um, and that's I think that's really been another part of his kind of revitalization as a player. It's kind of that yeah. growth on offense. But like, if you're listening, in your idea of kind of the guy you want next to Towns is someone who can just swat shots away and and play as that full blown rim protector at the rim and let Towns kind of get in the stands and get out on the, out on the perimeter. Like, Noel should be a guy who interests you a lot because like he's he's insanely good around the rim. Very, very... And he's a good rebounder. Like, he's very good in passing lanes. He's just a great defender. And I could see... I, I'd be surprised if they didn't have at least some interest in that. I think that a Tice, Zeller type, you know, really savvy veteran who can do a little bit of everything a little bit of passing out of like the the high elbow area kind of when towns isn't on the floor um facilitate for edwards a little bit in those dribble handoffs i think that 
that kind of guy is probably higher on their list than a Noel, just because they also play good defense, but they bring a little bit more juice on offense. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you end up seeing them given Noel like like two years, ten million. You know, the same deal that he got this year, but give him an extra year, and and maybe try and lure him away from from. New York or even a little bit more like I don't the MLE has always been I don't really mind if you overpay a guy on the MLE for two or three years like I don't think it's a I don't think it's a they're ever a contract that really hamstrings you like if they're a player who's not old like I think you can give Cody Zeller three years 30 million and and you don't have to worry about that last year really like coming back to play or or make it a non-guaranteed third year which is something that that we've seen too and the other thing that I'll add to this year is on draft night, we did see two guys, two MLE centers get salary dumped. We saw Mason Plumley get dumped to Charlotte, and we saw Derek Favors get dumped to Oklahoma City. So that's something, too, that, that you have to think about, especially when it comes to MLEs and big guys, um, is that it, it doesn't always work out necessarily. And I would push back a little bit on the, you know, you can give give guys the MLE and, and it doesn't hurt your team. I, I I think it does if if you're a team like the Timberwolves. Um, granted, it's. I mean, we grand- just saw it hurt. We just saw Wancho, you know, get MLE kind of level money, and it did hurt the team. Yeah. So I guess I'm yeah condescending myself a little bit there, but I just think that I think that you could still move Wancho. I just think at, at any point a deal for nine or ten million isn't immovable. Like I I agree with and that. I think yes, that, yes, and and I think that's what makes it kind of not risk free, obviously, but it's less risky than kind of if you're giving someone you know a 15 million dollar deal or if you're giving someone like really big money over a lot long term or you're going out and getting multiple different guys or, or you know for short or you know a guy who waves a shotgun around his kid when people come on their property <laughs> and then you give him 15 million dollars and then he's on instagram live halfway hanging out a car celebrating um yeah who then goes to prison the year after yeah i mean <laughs> Totally different stories. Definitely not talking about anybody in particular there. But, um, yeah, I'll give you two guys that I'm also interested in. Um, my boy, Kelly Olenek. Um, sorry to all the Kevin Love oh, fans Kelly-o. out there um, that are still salty about about that play. Like, I get it. Um, but Always welcome good hair. Always welcome good hair in the Twin Cities. And Kelly O has some of the best hair. Yeah, dude. I mean, and Kelly O is, is real comfy in Target Center. I remember he just torched the hell out of the Timberwolves in, in one, one of those Rockets games. He had like – yeah, I think he might have had 30 points to be honest with you. Um, but <laughs> This team sickens me. Yeah, I mean, really, really good screen setter. Um, obviously knows how to play good team defense. Um, been in that Miami Heat system for a while. Um and then two, uh, just really, really good floor spacer, really good at popping out, uh, confident shooter, another guy who's unafraid to put the ball in the deck and, and make passes off. Now, I don't want to really call it the short roll, but off of attacking closeouts, which is good, um, and can finish inside. And, he, and this past year, he made he made $12.5 million. I don't know that he gets that anywhere else necessarily. Like I don't know who's lining up to pay Kelly Olynyk $15 million or anything above the full mid-level. Um you know, maybe I don't think I think I think he could have fooled maybe the occasional team. Like he had a really good run with the Rockets, like more than more than a mid level kind I would, of run. But I think it's such a small sample size. I don't think teams are falling for that. I would give him a Jay Crowder contract. I'd give him three for more. I'd give him. More I'd years. give him three for thirty. I feel real confident yeah. that that his game is going to translate. Um, 
And the other guy that I'll give you is a guy who reportedly is willing to accept the mid-level after having a gargantuan contract for the last four years. Otto Porter Jr. Um, is a guy who, who played for the Bulls and was the main piece going out in terms of salary in the Nikola Vucevic trade. Um, and just some numbers on, on Otto Porter Jr. this year. Really, really good at finishing inside. Um, which, or excuse me, in the past past few years, has been a good finisher inside. Um, and two, he's just been a, he's just been a versatile defender. Um, doesn't really turn the ball over a whole lot. Um, and, and then also too, just really solid rebounder for his size, which is something that the Timberwolves need. Uh, and, and then the last point about Otto Porter has just been a really solid shooter. Uh, he shot. 40.5% on catch and shoots, uh, which is the 80th percentile. Uh, and then he shot 40, 48.5% from the corner. So similar to Torian Prince, um, which is which is huge too. Um, and then just a guy who, who can defend multiple positions, which I think is really, really important. So he spent, um, so he spent about 21.5% of his time guarding shooting guards, 26% guarding small forwards, and 35% guarding uh, guarding power forwards, which is important. And that's not to say that like you're pigeonholing one of those guys into the power forward slot. Um, but something that I think I, I would deem a really successful offseason, and this is coming from a guy who's not a huge Miles Turner guy. Um, but if you trade Malik Beasley and say like, you know, two of those seconds or Malik Beasley and Jarrett Culver and, and a couple seconds for I don't know, call it Turner and, and, you know, what other type of salary is, is on that Pacers team. Um, I, I mean, I would say Aaron holiday, but he already got moved. Um, like, Pitazzi, like Pitazzi or something. Yeah. I mean, they probably want to keep Patazzi cause they probably wouldn't want to give up both their centers in, in one deal. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe our old friend Keelan Martin is coming back to try and try and make that salary work. Um, just, but but yeah, that that's another thing too that would be really interesting, um, just because it allows Cat to then move down to the four, and then you'd have I I think a really solid, much bigger wing rotation. Then I mean, then you have then you have D'Lo and either Otto Porter or Torian Prince at the three, Cat at the four, Turner at the five, and then off the bench you'd have Jalen Noel as your backup point guard, most likely. Um, Josh Kogi, Torian Prince, and then who the hell knows what happens with Wancho and and Nas Reed. Um and, and I think that's a much better kind of eight man rotate at least eight that's I, I feel really good about those eight guys. Um, you know, your defense still isn't stellar, but it's definitely gonna be much better than what it's been. And I, I think that that's a really solid playoff caliber rotation, if if you ask me. Um so do you do you think that they should be going with the two? I know it's a, a question that we we all ask. Do you think that it should be two bigs? Yeah. Why why the hell not? I mean, that's a team too that can be multiple. If you ask me, like you have two guys. Yeah, that, yeah. But but I think but I think once you get Turner, you at least commit you know fifty percent of your minutes to to Towns Turner minutes because you know or, you're paying them a lot of money. And they're both good players. Like or Cat Nas minutes. Like I I think. I think with those yeah. three bigs, you can play any three of them, any combination of them on the floor at the same time. You can play all any of them alone. You can 
and then you can put any two of them together on the floor, which I think is interesting. Um, and yeah, just, I mean, just about the big conversation, like Cat is much better defending in space than he is defending at the rim. Oh, and I'm sorry. And that starting fight, that rotation, I completely fucking forgot about Jaden McDaniels. So you'd have Jaden McDaniels I starting. I let that career. slide. I let that slide because I didn't want to call you out in public. Thank you. Thank but you. you need to be told out. I know that was, that was, that was fucking <laughs> pathetic on my end. Um, yeah. So you'd have D'Lo and Jaden, Cat. Miles Turner, and then off off the bench you'd have Noel, Akogi, Prince, Porter, and Nas. Sign me up. Sign me up. I I would love that. I I would really love that actually. Uh, well, that's that's what I was going to say to you. Is I think if you're getting auto auto Porter, it's because you think you can swing as well for a center somehow or a bit another big guy. Yeah, because, exactly. You know, yeah. Our, our friend Dane Moore, he he's all over this at how the small ball lineups just haven't worked with Cat, even if the, the guy next to him is a really good defender. Um, Otto Porter's also hurt a lot, which, like, I don't think you can guarantee he gets hurt ever and hope that he doesn't, but it's something that you do have to factor in with a guy like him or a guy like Gallinari. Like, they're kind of just, like, missed 20 games a season kind of guys at this point. Yeah, I don't think the Gallinari thing is going to happen much. Um, no, I think that ship I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. I, I think that was Rubio. I think John Krasinski was reporting in The Athletic that once the Rubio deal went down, those talks just died immediately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, I definitely think that's fair. Um, yeah, because that's that was a question we got on Twitter. So I was just kind of you know reading through them as we were sitting here, and like um, uh, Alex Gen, I might have got that wrong. Like he was saying, like, would you rather see Roses get a four or a five? You know, where does Cat sit in that kind of range? And I think we both agree that Cat like can play the four defensively. If you just get him out of pick and roll a little bit more, I think Cat. Anytime Cat's not defending pick and roll, and someone who is good at defending pick and roll is. Um, that's a win on the, for the defense. Uh, I don't think Cat is going to turn into some sort of you know monstrous defender as a as a four. But I think he just hide his weaknesses a little bit more and and, kind of, and maximize his strengths as well. Which is a guy who who's who's pretty quick in space, but not quick at making decisions when he has to deal with multiple guys around him. Um, I think that's that's what his issue is. His his feet look like they're stuck in concrete, but I don't think it's because his feet can't move. Because like I've seen that guy, you know, come down the lane like a freight train once a night for five years, six years. Like what Towns' problem is is that he doesn't make decisions quickly. I don't think defensively, and as a guy who's guarding less pick and roll, you're asking him to make less um, split second decisions and and more just rotation decisions and you know off the ball rotation decisions which he's good yeah, at i think I th- he's a pretty and, good and rota- i think he'd be good too trying to play in the passing lanes more i mean think about think yeah. about a defensive front court of mcdaniels towns and turner that's that i just don't see how you, t- you i don't see how you're terrible defensively with those three you what i don't see how you're terrible defensively. i don't like, see you might how not be you're like not top- slightly above average I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think Anthony Edwards. I, one thing that people did not talk about much at all, and and I've talked and I've talked like I, I've texted and talked with Dane about this is like I think Anthony the improvement Anthony Edwards made off the ball on defense last year was one of the most, especially the second half of the season, was one of the least talked about but potentially most impactful things that happened the second half of last season. Um, right. 
you know, he, he looked much more locked in. He, he understood the value in it and how much it, how much of an impact it made. I think that came from Ricky Rubio as well. Um, and, and you see those guys talking like, like when I went to a game, you know, I went to, uh, it was a Pelicans game that I think they lost in overtime in May. Um, I, I, I was home from college for, for a pre-op appointment, but, and, and saw that. And like, you can hear those dudes talking from up in the luxury suites, um, which is great. Mm. And, and again, like if you have a more locked in ant, who's already a, a good on ball defender, in my opinion, just in isolation. Uh, you know, when screens get introduced, it, his screen navigation isn't great. But then think about that. I mean, you've got three guys with wingspans like seven two or better in McDaniel's, Towns, and Turner. And like, if you if you let Towns and McDaniel's just be aggressive as hell in the passing lanes, like that's that's intriguing to me. Um, and then yeah, I think and then I think too, if if you go get a guy like Turner, that allows you to to then try and find a a guy who who's more of a score, I guess, um, or who's more offensively mm-hmm. focused, I should say, with that MLE, um, which would be really interesting. Um, and, and I mean, outside of Otto Porter, like there aren't a whole lot of options of guys that are just like versatile, can play multiple positions offensively, and, and can score from from anywhere on the floor. Um, like Alec Burks is another guy, yeah. but I'd I'd be shocked if he wasn't back in New York. Um, and, and really outside of that, I mean, it's <clears throat> slim pickings, man. Yeah, uh, it really is. It, it's not it's not a deep free agency class. I still think that the plan for Rosas is he wants to trade for something. Right. I think that's def- – I think, you know, you were sharing – you were on the Zoom call the other night. I wasn't on it, but it, it seemed like from the quotes you were sharing that he's going to push that trade narrative until he can't push it anymore. And I don't know how – legitimate it is but it seems like if you want to take him at face value which again could be stupid because he does speak like a politician and and a lot of the times act like a politician um they are working hard to find a trade and the one thing i do agree with that that gers always says is that trades are really hard to materialize in the nba like for the for every hundred trade conversations that I had, you know, you might get one deal that goes through. So I think that that needs to be taken into account when I guess you know us as fans get frustrated at at the inactivity in the trade market. It's just it's just really hard to find a trade, especially when you're a team that doesn't have that many assets like Minnesota, like especially not ones that they're willing to part with. That's the problem is they they good assets they would they won't part with. The rest of them are pretty meh. Like Malik Beasley's the only one who kind of falls into that middle category of of pretty good asset and also willing to be moved. So uh, let's take a break because we should and get some ads in here, um, and then let's answer some some of these questions that we got on Twitter and stuff when we get back um, about the off season and kind of keep this thing rolling a little bit longer. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Um, and before, like, we, before, we, before we jump into that, I, I want to get one bold prediction from you for, for this upcoming right. week relating to, to free agency or trades. I don't, I don't know if anything's almost bold at this point because we, we're such dreamers just all the time. But like, I think if you want a bold one, I think they get Miles Turner. If you want a bold one, I think they... I don't know. I think they I they trade D'Lo for Simmons. Like, you know, I don't think that's a prediction, but I don't think it's completely off the table. Like, I reckon that it, it, that could happen. It's hard for me. I don't have that much bold stuff. Is that boring? Like, is getting Miles Turner boring? In terms I, I don't of bold think it's boring. I mean, I think it's a. I think it's an important move. Like, but is it bold? Is it a bold prediction? What's I mean, your, you do, you do everybody is being negative as all hell on Twitter.com about the Timberwolves. So based on that, yeah, I'd say that's pretty bold. My bold prediction, you ready for this? Yeah. I think they get better than a second round pick for Jarrett Culver. I think they get a protected okay. future first for Jarrett Culver. This is coming from or, the resident Jarrett Culver hater. Hater, yes. <laughs> or that Jarrett Culver ends up being like, a legit sweetener in a deal for like a Miles Turner that people actually are interested in. Yeah, I, I mean, you said bold. About, you said bold. Well, I said bold. That's com, my bold prediction. If we're talking about Twitter.com, if Twitter GMs were real GMs, Minnesota would have been picking in the first round on draft night with after trading Jared Culver. Like there were so many so, people around the league that were like, okay, like we gotta trade for Jared Culver like right now. If this if the second round pick is the going price for him. Like I don't think teams are gonna bid against themselves, but also like I, I think that they I mean Rose has said during his press conference that they had opportunities to move up and they eventually opted against them because they wanted to you know maintain as much flexibility as possible. And they, I think they wanted to not get off pieces that could be useful to them this upcoming week. I mean, you've got three second round picks next year. Um, Jared Culver, Wancho, Malik, like, Oh, and, and also my bold prediction. I don't think Malik Beasley is going to be on the Timberwolves by this time. I don't, I don't think that's bold. I would be surprised if they, if they keep him and not, you know, we've spoken about Malik at length, but I think we both like him as a player, but I think just in terms of asset wise, like if they are going to be aggressive in any way, Beasley's going to be traded. Like, he's the only piece, unless it's Jarrett Culver, who you've just crowned as the man who is bringing home the, the mother load. Um, unless it's, you know, Malik Beasley's the guy that you need to trade if you don't get anything back. There's no one else that anyone would want. Like, not that's going to get you anything more than Torian Prince. Like, Malik Beasley's... I don't think that's bold, but I think it's smart. I think it's a smart prediction. Like, I'd be surprised if he was on the team next season. 
Yeah, I also loved uh, that John K piece, how they had the ammunition was the, the category, and the first name was Malik Beasley. Just the irony is just <laughs> perfect. Uh, but, he's a, he's a three-point gunner. Uh, yeah, man, just long-range sniper. Um, <laughs> so transitioning, <laughs> transitioning. Insert good transition. Uh, um, all right. So what do you think a realistic contract for Jared Vanderbilt is? That was from at HustlePlay3000 on Twitter, um, and I think it's a good question. Uh, I think there's a range. I think anywhere in between 4 and $7 million is what Vanderbilt would get. Um, you know, I just Minnesota, don't know how many... They can't give him $7 million, though, can they? Like, is that a failure if they go and spend... Is that, is that counted against the MLE? You're, you're better than this at this than me. If they give him two years, $14 million, like... Can they sign anyone else? No. That's, uh, I mean, I, that... I mean, they could. They, I mean, they could use the MLE and then sign Vanderbilt after that. But the problem is that it would go against the tax. So, I mean, theoretically, what you could do is you could, uh, you know, give a, a standout two-way player a, a guarantee, a fully guaranteed contract. Um, I, I like a fully guaranteed minimum contract, uh, and then you know trade Jarrett Culver and, and convert that Culver set. Like let's say you trade Jarrett Culver and Malik Beasley and pick and a first round pick or something for Miles Turner, right? So that that would save you probably in the neighborhood of three and a half million dollars against the luxury tax. So then you're up to you know so then you'd be up to about fourteen and a half million in space. Uh, but then you'd have, then you'd have two roster spots instead of one, uh, mm-hmm. and so then then you'd be looking at, um, I don't know, you give Vanderbilt five million ish, and then you have nine and a half million to play with in the luxury tax, and that's before potentially trading Wancho. Um, so they've got options. I mean, I think that I, th- you know, based on the fact that Vanderbilt has, has like been around the facility a bunch, he's been at a few Lynx games. Um, seems really tight with a bunch of Timberwolves people like Joseph Blair was at his basketball camp in Houston this past week. Um, you know, stuff like that matters. Like, I don't think that they would be doing that if they didn't have strong plans to re-sign him. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't think that he gets a Wancho contract from anybody around the league. Like I, I would guess in the neighborhood of, of like $5 million. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with Vando. If you if I had to put a number on it, I'd guess I'd guess five million dollars flat would 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 be my guess for for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I get it. I just don't. I don't know if you can. I mean, I guess you can. I guess if you if you strike out on a few guys, I think I, I'm perfectly fine bringing Vando back because I like Vando and I think that he. I think that he's better than I. We've talked about it a few weeks ago, last week, maybe a few weeks ago. That I think that he's better than I gave him credit for when I when I rewatched the games, but I also think like do you think that's a failure like if Vanderbilt is the powerful they bring back, that's a failure, isn't it? Like Like if he's the only one, then yeah, I would think so. Um, like if you give I, I you just, end, I, I just, given him most of the MLE and you kind of have to sign like guys around him, you know, guys on the margins and then he's the guy and him and Prince are what you bring back, I think that that's underwhelming. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really hope they bring Vanderbilt back. You know, yeah, hopefully yeah. he's just been standing in front of a jugs machine all summer, catching like <laughs> 90 mile an hour passes in front of his face. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the way that he can impact and be a spark plug and just throw him out there against, you know, really strong ball handlers. And he, he's just, he can guard one through four. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and well, especially, and I mean, if you have a stable of guys who can switch like Prince McDaniels, uh, a Kogi and him, you know, I think that's valuable if they want to, if they want to switch more this year. Um, and, and if a guy's $5 million a year and is on the fringe of your rotation, like, I don't think that's bad. Um, I think it's bad I mean, if he's Ed, making Davis, 7 million, but yeah. Ed Davis just got traded for a second round pick and he was like 33 and didn't play and was worth 5 million. Like I'm sure Vando would be a guy who you could move off and get some value back if that was what you need to do. Yeah, and he's a restricted free agent too. So the Timberwolves are going to let other teams in the league set the market. And I think I wouldn't that, be surprised if it's low, like if it's like same biannual, biannual low. Like but if he gets too, like three ten, three years, ten million, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that that's a good point too. I mean, and the other thing is that there's just not a whole lot of money to spend around the league, and mm-hmm. like I, I just don't see Jared Vanderbilt as like an impactful free agent for a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, so. Um, let's, let's do a little, let's do one more question here. And then I want to talk a little bit of summer league before we get let's out of it. here. Um, there was a, Yo Leo who, who's over at Tainus. He asked about Jonathan Isaac. He said if the price was mildly steep, I don't want to go too deep on, on that because it's a guess. Like if Jonathan Isaac is available for, for Beasley, a Cody Noel and a protected first, I'm doing it immediately. I don't know if you're all in the same boat there. Like... What'd you say for Beasley, Noel, a Kogi, and a first? A protected first. That was the price that um that Leo put out there. For me, it's a, wow. uh, it's a no. That's a no brainer. Uh, even if Isaac obviously comes with the health injuries, which uh, the health concerns, which is the whole reason that it's not more than that. Because yeah, I mean, like, you got to give up some. You got to give up something to get something. I think that's probably a fair price. Um, you know, I think I, I don't think that he's going to get traded just because they didn't draft Scotty Barnes. I think that a trade I, I conversation. Don't think that, yeah, I don't think this is it. I don't think they have any like motivation to move Isaac. Yeah, I mean, and you also have so many. There's so many guards on that team. Like you're essentially getting three guards back, and your guards on that team are already Mark Helfoltz, Cole Anthony, and Jalen Suggs. Um. Terrence, and Terrence Ross, too. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a, a feasible trade. But, um, but yeah, that's something I would definitely do, like, if that, that's what the offer was. Um, all right. I'll, these are just a few questions from, from Logan, just kind of uh, positional questions. So I'll throw these at you, and then we'll move to Summer League. Um, and D'Angelo Russell is here, point guard or a shooting guard? Point guard. Agreed. Uh, Anthony Edwards is two or a three? Two. Agreed. McDaniels is a three or a four? Three. Three. Yep. Um, and Cat is a four or a five? Four. Yeah, agreed, but more lenient. More lenient on Cat and Ant as, as long as you have guys, and, who, and, guys who can partner them, I guess. And they I, and they I guess, depend more. And I guess my answer for that was what would I play them at or what do I think they should play? Yeah, yeah. I, well, that's yeah, That's how I'm taking it. He said, what position would you prefer each player to play going forward? And I think we're 
agreed on those, which I, I don't think a lot of them are debatable. I think it was a cool question, to be honest. But I don't think I don't think I'd ever want Russell at the two. I don't love Russell as a two, to be honest. Like I don't mind him in two guard lineups for stretches, but like I don't want Danger Russell as like a starting cheering guard on my team. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I, I think I have no issue with him playing two guard lineup with somebody that can get in the paint, collapse the defense, um, or or letting Ant play point guard for stretches. I have no problem with well, that whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I think full time he he's got to be the point guard just because on the ball his playmaking, especially in the pick and roll, is just outrageous. Um, in the yeah. way that he he's sets still, the table, he, for he's him, still he's better. So he's still better on the like on the floor uh, on the ball. I still think he's best deployed as someone who has the ball in their hands more often than they don't, and that doesn't mean he can't play off the ball. But I think you you maximize Russell by giving him the ball, but also setting setting kind of limits on what he can do in terms of you know self created mid range jumpers. Like, and I think Finch did a good job of that. I think Finch really cut the mid range um, kind of ball hog stuff that we saw a little bit in at the start of the season and you got you got to do it occasionally like i think that it's a valuable skill to have i mean you watch the playoffs and it's a valuable skill to have man like yeah being able to create your own shot in the mid-range and even just being able to hit tough shots is a valuable skill but if you kind of sprinkle that into the mix uh with cat and 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 pick and rolls and you know the horns actions that they run like you sprinkle that into the mix and then it works if you kind of let D'Lo go over the top with being the ball handler and and, and high usage guy. I think that becomes a little bit uh, iffy. Um, let's talk summer league quickly. Um, yeah, just I, I just want to add one last note. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just solely that, you know, if you can play guys down, positionally mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. that's always going to be an advantage because then, you know, like, if if your guys athletic if your if your center's athletic enough to play the four if your four is athletic enough to play the three, um, you always want to do that big. just because you always want to be bigger than the other team if yeah, if yeah. you don't compromise athleticism and that's why I yeah. think and, and I mean it, you think about it too with the whole Timberwolves going small at the four hasn't worked then don't get a traditional four. You know, like, do I think that the Timberwolves would be much better if, like, Ben Simmons played the four or John Collins played the four? Yes, absolutely, 100%. But, like, other options from that, just, like, that shit hasn't worked. Try a, try playing try playing another five. I mean, we saw how good the Timberwolves were offensively with Nas and Cat on the floor last year. Why not try and shake something up and move everybody down a position and, and just try and beat teams that way? I think I think it's definitely worth a shot and... And I, I'm with you. I think Miles Turner could be the guy. And the more I think about it, the more it makes sense to me. So, and it seems like they're at that point as well. It seems yep. like they've got to the totally point agree. where they're like, like this is the last thing that we haven't tried, and everything else isn't working. So, and, and Rosas went out of his way three different times during his press conference after the draft to mention that they're looking at adding a big, and he didn't say a four or a power forward. And anytime anybody used the term four or power forward, he shifted the conversation from that to a big or playing yeah. another big alongside Cat. And that made me think that Cat's going down to the four and they're going to pursue a more traditional big. But Good, good. I hope yeah. they do. And I hope it's uh, – I'll look forward to the experiment no matter what, even if it doesn't work. I think it's just worth trying. And I think – 
I think you could, you know you can get away with it even if it doesn't if it doesn't work you can you can finagle a way to get McDaniel's back up to the floor or try something else. I just think there's a, there's enough versatility within the roster that's already constructed to be able to get a five and then still deal with it if if something goes wrong or if it doesn't work. Um, summer league's coming up. You going to summer league? No, I'm not. Uh, I wish that I could. Um, but but just with with some health stuff, I've ha- I've had two surgeries in the last in the last month, and and because of that, um, won't be able to won't be able to go. But I'm hoping to go next year for sure. Um, now that I'm now that I'm graduated out of college and, and I'm able to to do stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I I'm waiting. I'm hoping just that the international travel ban gets lifted at some point yeah. in the next five years. Like it doesn't. It's getting worse. Like we we just got our lockdown yesterday so uh, i i'd love to go to summer league but alas uh we are not but it will still be running with or without us and uh chris finch noted that the Jaden mcdaniels and Jalen noel will kind of be the the focal points of that team i expect that balmaro will probably be there maybe in the later games as well maybe not they might give him a little bit of time off just after the olympics like i think that they i think balmaro will be on the team next season rosas doesn't ever kind of admit the way he has admitted with Balmara if, if something's not going to happen. Um, who else is on that team? Jared Culver will play, I assume, if he doesn't get traded. Uh, McKinley Wright will play, I assume. Yep. Um, Isaiah Miller, is that, I, think, I believe that's the guy who signed an Exhibit 10 contract. Um, I think it's going to be a fun roster. Anthony Edwards won't play. If, was that confirmed? I think it was. It was confirmed that he's not going to play. So the Timberwolves' first game is August 9th um, in Summer League. And, and I'm going to look up the Olympic schedule because um, I don't think Argentina – I think Argentina might be done after yeah, tonight. Yeah, but, but are they going to give him, you know, a couple of weeks rest? Because he's kind of just been playing and playing Bomaro. Like, they didn't finish long before the Olympics either, the, the Barcelona season. I I personally think that I mean if he's in playing shape they should play him because now after well, summer he, league you're gonna have you're gonna have a month and change before he'd play again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So and I, he needs I, to I, he needs to fight for this spot on the roster. Like, what better place to do it than at least alongside other Timberwolves players in an actual game setting? So it, it would be very beneficial, I think. Yeah, I mean, and just to like meet some guys too. Uh, I think that would be helpful too, and and I would be surprised if, if Pablo Prigioni is there in Vegas too, just to kind of help, you know, hold his hand a little bit in terms of like the language barrier. I don't know how much English he's able to speak, um, and, and so I think that that would probably be really helpful for him too. And, and you know, he and Pablo have both been in Tokyo together, so hopefully that's been that's been helpful too. But I just think anytime you can get live game reps with with teammates um, in a, in a setting you can't replicate, that that's obviously a huge thing. So. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to do that. Um, but, but, but we'll see. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most about summer league just as an on-court product? Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to, to Jaden McDaniels on the ball. Um, you know, I, I think that Jaden McDaniels on the ball is something that, that we saw a little bit last year. Like, we, we, he, we've seen flashes of his handle and kind of him pulling up into the mid-range, um, especially in handoff situations, dribbling into dribbling into stuff like that. 
Um, and I think that's going to be really important too. Like if you can get some secondary creation out of Jaden McDaniels or, or being able to see him handle the ball in, in ball screen action, uh, I think that's going to be huge. Like he did that in high school um, at, at Federal Way in, in, in Seattle, uh, which, was, which was huge. Uh, and, and his handle and his length, his size, I think was, was what made him such a tantalizing prospect coming out of high school. Um, and, and didn't get a chance to do that as much for Mike Hopkins at Washington. So um, just seeing him on the ball and seeing what he can do uh, in terms of creating mismatches, uh, you know, I, he's not really a guy that's going to take you into the post, but but if, if he can be a guy that's comfortable enough dribbling, dribbling and, and like calling a screen over to get a switch and get a big on him or, you know, just work on expanding his game out where then if he does have some guy that's small on him, trying to take him into the post and you know it's not like you're gonna have post fades or post hooks or stuff like that but I mean like you're a basketball like you're a high level NBA basketball player like if you've got a smaller guy on you like guys that big have have pretty like rudimentary post moves like it doesn't like think think about Jimmy Butler like when Jimmy Butler takes a small guy into the post he doesn't do anything crazy like sure he may turn around and shoot a little fade but he's just going right into your chest turning maybe taking a, a pivot or a drop step and going up like it, it's not rocket science, you know, it's not like he has to have these Akeem Olajuwon moves in his bag. Um, I, I just, those are two things I'd like to see just if, if he can get big guys switched out onto him and take him to the hole or get small guys switched out onto him and, and, you know, dribble and elevate over them or, or take them into the post. That that's what I'm looking most forward to from McDaniel specifically. I, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how he looks as a guy just dribbling the ball. I mean, they they let him dribble it was like three times max last season per per dribble, you know, per ball handling possession. Like he wasn't a guy who was, who was allowed to dribble very much, and I don't think he was very good at it either. I think he was his handle was really loose just when he was kind of um, trying to weave through traffic. So I want to see if that's improved and and how much it can shine through on a stage where he's going to get a lot of ball handling reps. And like you said, I, I love to see him just taking like two dribble pull-ups out of pick and roll. Like whether it's even like whether it's from the mid range, from the elbow, even coming off, off a guy going under a screen and hitting threes. Like I think that's really important if he wants to become more than just a catch and shoot guy. If you can be a guy who, who punishes um, guys going under screens or can, punish guys going over screens by kind of beating them into that elbow area and and making a play for yourself or making a play for someone in the corner or making a play for the role man. Um, that's something that that really intrigues me with Jaden. And I think that's all kind of basic stuff that he has the, the talent to do because he's such a talented scorer and shooter and he's done this, you know, at federal way, like you said, and, and a little bit in college, but definitely not enough at all in the, in the NBA. So... I think it'll be invaluable time for him. Like, I think just being able to be the guy on a team is really, uh, really beneficial for for a player who's going to come into the NBA next season and still be probably the fourth or fifth option on the team. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward. I think Jalen Noel's probably going to end up being the focal point if he's playing. Like, just just. By nature of both of their games, I just feel like Noel's more the type to take over the game, whereas McDaniels is happy to just play a role. I know they'll be asking him to do more than play a role, but like, 
I see Noel Tom for like probably a couple thirty pieces. Um, that that was going to be my bold. I was going to ask you for a bold prediction uh, for summer league, and that was going to be mine. I was going to say multiple twenty five point games for Noel. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, he's had you know multiple fifteen to twenty point games in the NBA. I think he had what twenty eight or twenty nine at some point last season as well against the Pelicans, I believe. Um, that game was sex persona yeah. like <laughs> like the personification like this if if i don't know <laughs> i'd say that, what you did that it was that sex. game was was like basketball porn it was awesome <laughs> um i've rewatched that uh, game twice in full uh since the season ended um and i am irrationally excited for Jalen noel um, he he was hitting those sidestep like dribble sidestep threes coming off picks like he, he did that shit four times in a row. Yeah, Stephen um, he just had Stephen Adams in the lowest <laughs> level, the lowest circle of hell, um, like the cold that, part of hell, man. It that's what he's gonna do in summer league. Like he's gonna be. I know McDaniel's gonna get ball handling reps, but I think they're just gonna like a lot of the time. McDaniel's uh, Noel is going to be the guy who's just like getting buckets and i'm looking forward to seeing noel get buckets i think this team will be fun i would like to see them like win it like obviously it's summer league i don't really give a fuck if they win it or not but like i'd like to see them play as long as possible and maybe have some sort of success maybe even jade mcdaniels might smile i don't know like that's my bold prediction is that jade mcdaniels will smile once (laughs) what's crazy is like you heard the story i don't know if people heard the story on dane's pod a while ago when he called about a story from high school he played james wiseman and he called james wiseman sewer trash and james (laughs) and and jane mcdaniels had like a huge attitude problem at washington he got teed up for like yelling at refs and slapping chairs and shit a lot I still think in the NBA, you see him, if you watch him closely, I still think he he talks sneaky shit out there. He definitely oh, I says, hope so. I hope he so. He definitely talks shit after he blocks someone and while he's blocking someone. I, mean, I remember that one with Zion when he, he blocked the shit out of Zion and it, and the um, rim mic like, picked up like, get that shit out of here. And I was like, I love you, Jay McDaniels. And I'm sorry, everyone, for my American accent. That was terrible. Um <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me to do an Australian accent we're not going there today um, um, but yeah I, I, sometimes I think you see him and you see him talking but just like quietly and I feel like that's just him like calling someone sewer trash I don't know if that's just more hope than than realisticness but like yeah, I, I want to see Jaden McDaniels in his element in Summer League like really talking shit, swatting dudes you know, yelling dunking on people like i want him to let it all out that maybe he thought that he couldn't let out in the nba because he was still fighting for a for a place in the rotation and to kind of solidify himself as an nba player um i want to see him go out in summer league as a guy who knows he is an nba player i think that's the confidence i want him to have and that's just like if you play badly it doesn't matter because like, like just do the things you want to do and you want to show the world and and i think that'll end up working out well yeah, and the other thing too that that I just want to add about um, about Tim Roll Summer League team. So Mike Nor is Joseph Blair coaching it or is Mike Nori? Um, I think it I might think, be Blair. I think it's Blair too. Um, but if if Mike Nori is going to be there or is going to be involved in the process, um, I think it was Chris Hain or Chris Hine, excuse me, um, of, the, of the Star Tribune. Awesome dude. Everybody should be following Chris. Um, 
put something out there about how Mike Inori, since getting hired, has gone back and watched all the crunch time situations uh, and looked at lineup combinations that were fruitful, different plays that were fruitful, um, in terms of just really trying to find out what guys can and can't do and what they're good at, and um, and looking at the way that they use all of these individual players and what their roles were. And I think that that's going to be really interesting to see how exactly they use Noel and McDaniels because I, I obviously don't think they'd be doing anything with those guys that they wouldn't ask them to do for the NBA team or at least envision them doing for the NBA team. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I think they won't do a lot of the things that they are going to do at Summer League, but I think they won't, they'll be doing the things that maybe Rosas and Finch think they have the potential to do somewhere down the line. Yeah, and what was really interesting to me, and, and, I, and I've said this on Twitter, I said this in an article that I just wrote, uh, previewing this upcoming week, which is over at com, if you want to read it, um, that, you know, the I think the sign that uh, Chris Finch said the other night that they, they expect Noel to have an increased role uh, next season, I said, was a likely sign that they're going to trade one of, if not both, Rubio and Beasley. So that article went live Thursday morning. Rubio gets traded Thursday afternoon. They currently do not have a backup point guard. They've extended a restricted, or excuse me, they've extended a qualifying offer to Jordan McLaughlin, making him a restricted free agent. Um, you know, I I do not expect them to re-sign McLaughlin, especially the way that he, you know, the the free agency process played out last season. You know, he had inconsistent minutes this season. Um, I I thought he played well under Finch, uh, but yeah, he did. But yeah, like I I would love to see Noel play a lot, like similar to McDaniel's on the ball. Like I think Joe, I think Jalen Noel should be the backup point guard next year. Because he, that dude is ultra talented with the ball in his hands. We saw it in that New Orleans game. All the different sidestep threes he made. The way that he's able to read and react to defense really, really quickly and, and get into his shot off of that. Um, and two, I think he has a really good understanding of like how to toy with defenses and how to manipulate um, not just the, the pick and roll ball handler defender, but also the big defender too. Especially playing with a, with a pop-out big like Cat. Um, and I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw like some Jaden, some Jaden and in uh, in Jalen pick and roll where where Jalen's handling the ball. I think that would be really fun and kind of kind of using Jaden as as like cat in this situation. Um, just because I think that that Noel's got a lot of a lot of potential playing with pick and pop bigs, whether it be Nas or Cat or, or whomever um, on the ball. So yeah, that, that's something that I wrote about extensively uh, in my player uh season review uh for for Jalen Noel which is also on Candace if you just search if you just google like Jalen Noel and folks, then click the folks just go to Tana Supers find Jack Borman's name and read anything that's on there like it's not that <laughs> hard honestly it's yeah not, it's just search simple. like Jalen if you search like Jalen Noel player review or Jalen Noel Candace Supers it'll be the first thing that pops up um, but, but yeah, I, I wrote extensively about his on-ball capabilities and, and how I see that projecting out um, this season and beyond. So th- those two things, I know it's stupid that like those are the two guys that we're looking at, but, but we also don't have like um, we also don't have like a like a set roster at least for the Timberwolves. Um, yeah, and they don't have a pick so, either. Like they, they don't have a first-round pick that they've just selected. So it's it's not. The I think that's a summer league team that's kind of more based on guys that we already know what they can do on an NBA court, doing a little bit more in a in a you know in a role that 
lends them itself to more freedom. Actually, um, I, I go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying. Like, I just think that's what we're, we're looking for. We're, just looking, we're looking at Noel and McDaniel's specific, specifically. I don't think outside of that, there's anything that's like really intriguing. Outside of maybe Culver, he's still on the team. I think that would be intriguing. But summer league to me is just Noel McDaniel's. Maybe some some plays that they run for those guys, um, and kind of projecting them onto the the actual Timberwolves roster to see if you know maybe it's a it's a play that McDaniel's might get run for him during the season or a play that someone else. But outside of that, my summer league wish list is watch Jaden McDaniel's and watch Jalen Noel, and that's about it. Yeah, so I so the Timberwolves do have six confirmed members of their roster. So John Egbunu was a big from. Uh, Florida, uh, who, who's on there, who's been playing professionally, I think, for a couple years. Noel McDaniel's Kareem Maine, who was part of the the Lakeland Magic that won the the won the G League title in the bubble last year. Uh, and then McKinley Wright, uh, point guard from Colorado, one of the most prolific Pac-12 players ever. Um, from those of you who are from the Minneapolis area, uh, McKinley Wright is from Champlin Park. Um, I was a 2017 grad of De La Salle. McKinley Wright was a 2017 grad of Champlin Park. So I, and, and we played, we played McKinley Wright. So I've seen him up in person and, and watched a lot of him at, at Colorado, really, really fantastic competitor, pick and roll player, um, both as a scorer out of the pick and roll ends and as a distributor, he's undersized, he's six foot, if that 190 pounds, um, but man, that dude fights like hell and, and teammates really rally around him and, and really controls the game. Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch Ken too. Um, and then Isaiah Miller. Um, I think Isaiah Miller played at UNC Greensboro, um, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly, or UNC Wilmington, one of the two. Um, Greensboro, but, I think. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, a good score. Yeah, it was a good score there. Um, so, so he's really a guy, good defensive but, guy as well. Really, I think he's a similar similar size. I think he's a, he's a small guard as well. I think, isn't he? Um, might be. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't looked into him too much. I've I had a funeral today and and have been you know super slammed with with work um, outside of that. So I haven't seen a ton of a ton of him because I think the news came yesterday morning, Friday morning. Um, yeah, I didn't I see think, anything about it. I just saw him post on Twitter, and that's the first thing I even read about. Yeah, like. I I think Doogie posted something. Uh, but yeah, he he averaged nineteen nineteen point two points, seven rebounds, and four assists. Um, as as a six foot, one hundred ninety pound guard. <laughs> so yeah, and he's like legitimately crazy athletic, and I think he was shoot, a, can't shoot though. No, can't shoot. Um, he's kind of like a discount version of McKinley Wright <laughs> like you know like probably a bit more athletic but I think that seems to be like they. I think they're just looking for a Jordan McLaughlin facsimile really um and that probably so J- yeah. I mean I'd rather have J-Mac though because J-Mac like shot pretty well um, yeah yeah especially I like, J- I like J-Mac man like I'll never have a bad word to say about J-Mac I think that he was pretty underwhelming this season but that's probably just because we hyped him up a little bit too much like and then yeah, he had COVID no. and he was injured and like it was a tough season for him. I hope he gets a deal somewhere, like because he deserves one last year, and he got screwed over in the free agency. Not in a bad way, like Minnesota did what they should have done as a business, but like he deserved a contract last year, a guaranteed contract to play. He would have been better than a lot of backup point guards in the league this year, um, and didn't get one. And then his his value's probably fallen off a little bit. But I hope that if it's not Minnesota, someone gives him. A few million guaranteed because he deserves it. He really does. 
Yeah, I think there was more noise on that last year than there is this year. Um, but but who knows? And the, and the last thing that I'll say about Summer League um, is that I do think it's telling that Minnesota has confirmed two of its full-time players. Um, the Jarrett, Jarrett Culver is an obvious guy that would go play at Summer League. Um, and I think the fact that he's not on there signifies that they have zero expectation that he's going to be on the roster. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, because, I would say... Because you can I, put him on there and then still trade him and no one will care. But when you if you really do not think that he's going to play because you don't trade him, like there's no point in putting him on the roster. And that's what it seems like they're doing. Yeah, so I think the writing is on the wall there. Um, because if you look at any other team, you know, I, I'm looking at this... I'm looking at it from Mark Deke's NBA summer league roster tracker tracker. Um, so if you, if you go on Twitter and you search just summer league roster tracker um, and then go to photos on Twitter, it should be one of the first thing, the first things that pops up. Um, like if you look at all these other teams, like they've already committed guys who were on the roster last year, like to play if they're young and they had the limited role, um, which is like, you look at Boston, Boston's got Pritchard, Langford, Neesmith, all those guys committed to play. Um, you look at Milwaukee, they've got Nwara, Merrill, Mamu Kalashvili, D. Kite, Elijah Bryant, like all those guys were, were new last year. Um, so, so when you look at that, um, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Culver won't be back. Um, Culver's also got a, a rather significant salary in terms of being able to trade. I don't know. I, if I had to put my money on it, I, I would bet that two of C- Culver, Beasley, and Wancho are not on the roster by the end of next weekend. Would I think be that's my a good guess. Bet. I think that's a good bet. Yeah, I think I think that's a good bet. Um, before I let you go, you did ask me before what if it's not Noel, what's your, what's your bold summer league prediction? If it's not Noel getting 25 a night, because I reckon he'll average 25 a game, let alone a couple 25s. I reckon he's getting that every night. But is there something else you've got? No, I mean, um, that, 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 I mean that was really going to be like what mine was. And two, I, I don't know either if like it'll be a situation where they let those guys play every game or if they'll shut them down or, or what's going to happen. Um, so I, I don't want to like get into something and then yeah. having them not play. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any other bold prediction for summer league. Um, you know, I may, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I think there's so many things that are fluid with the Timberwolves, especially as we don't have any, you know, clarity on the Bolmero situation. So I, I personally don't have any other bold predictions for summer league. Um, I'm just excited to be able to watch basketball, to watch young guys, to watch some of the draft picks from this year um, in, a, in a different setting, I think will be fun. Um, every single game from Summer League will be televised, which is, uh, or, or streaming on the ESPN app, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Do they do that in Australia? Do you, are you able yeah. to? Yeah, uh, we get it on the League Pass app. Oh, okay. Sweet. So know. we'll still be able to probably... watch all of them. Yeah, yeah. I've always been able to watch all the Summer League games, so... Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you got anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Yeah. So the two things that I mentioned, uh, I had a preview for this upcoming week. Um, obviously, some of the draft stuff is a little different, and Rick Rubio is no longer on the roster. But uh, everything else applies, I think. Um, and yeah, so so that is live. Uh, I think it's like NBA draft and 
um, free agency preview at CandaceSupers.com. And then um, we obviously talked extensively about Noel. Um, Noel is, is one of my favorite you know, guys moving forward on the Timberwolves. I think that he's got some serious untapped potential um, and he's got really high potential on the ball as a, as a scoring guard um, off the bench. Um, and, and I had a huge 4,000 word breakdown of his game. Um, what I'm interested in or intrigued by with his game, his strength of his biggest strength, his biggest weakness. Um, and then what I think his role will be for next year. So if you're interested in Noel kind of leading up to summer league, I'll definitely tweet that out, um, this week. But, um, if you just search, if you Google Jalen Noel player review, uh, or Jalen Noel Canis Hoopus, um, it, it should be the first thing that popped up, but I, but I was proud of that, um, and, it was and, very and was good. It was so. genuinely very good, man. Um, yeah, I appreciate I, that. I love when you you start to peel back um, the layers on on players like you did with Noel and like you've done in the past with Booker and Simmons. Like that's when I think you're really in your element, and and that Noel piece was was awesome. And uh, when I start to ramble too, um, which which <laughs> yeah. I'm working on. Um, I, I say uh, I I told Kyle I said I think my last my preview was like two thousand words, and I told him it was under <laughs> three thousand, and and he like sent me back a text saying like I love you well well or something like that. Um, God bless Kyle Tagge. Um, one last plug uh, for me. Um, everybody, go subscribe howlsandgrowls.substack.substack.com. Um, you know the first few things that Jake has put out has been awesome. Um, and just, I, I don't, I truly don't know, um, if people know how hard Jake works at, at everything that he does from grinding film, pulling out stuff that is not easily accessible. Um, you know, making breakdowns with, with on-screen text and drawings and, and stuff like that. It takes a shitload of time. He's an incredibly busy man, and, and so much of his life outside of work is devoted to his writing. And I've I've seen that firsthand, and um, and and we got to help our boy out. Um, so it, it, all of all of his stuff is incredible. I've learned so much about basketball from reading Jake's stuff. If you're interested about that type of stuff, um, go subscribe and, and support him. Um, it's it's worth it's worth two cups of coffee a month or, you know, less than a night out to eat, not less than like a nice dinner to eat for, for your entire year. So when you frame it like that, it's, it's a no brainer. So howlsandgrowls.substack.com. You, you will not regret it. Thank you. I promise listeners, I'm not paying these guests to do this, to plug me at the, at the end of shows. Um, if you, if you paid me, my plug wouldn't have been any different. Wouldn't have been any different. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, that um, that means a lot. I honestly really do appreciate the the kind words, and I do work really hard, and I am working really hard. So, like you said, if you if you want to subscribe, thehousandgrails.substack.com. Outside of that, I will let you go, Jack. I've taken up enough of your time, um, and we'll get back next week, maybe to do a little bit of free agency talk and kind of see where the wolves are at in a week. Uh, I think the landscape will be different. I hope so, man. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, guys, and um, thanks for listening. <laughs>